Hello, and welcome back to Why Morocco, a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to spotlighting some of the inspiring creative personalities who share my love of the North African Kingdom of Morocco. My name's Mandy Sinclair, known online as Mandy in Morocco, and I'm the host of the show. For this episode, I'm chatting with my dear friend Donna Alamara, the owner of Organic, a company producing and selling 100% pure argan oil from Morocco. Donna's passionate about what she does, and I think this really comes across in the conversation we recorded back in the autumn when she came out to visit. And of course, she brought me a bottle of the cosmetic argan oil she sells under her organic label. I simply cannot tell you how much I love this oil. In fact, it's the only moisturizer I use on my face. And her culinary oil is just so delicious. So let's listen in as we chat leaving our jobs behind to become entrepreneurs, argan oil, both culinary and cosmetic, and buying the oil for skincare purposes. Thanks for joining me today. I'm so happy to have you back in Marrakesh. I just wish that you would come and stay for a lot longer. Yeah, I know. Um, it is really good to be here. I'm really happy to be here. I'm still working towards getting organic to a place where I can just sort of elope to Morocco for a few months mm-hmm. and perhaps spend some time with Berber people for a few months. That's kind of one of the dreams. That would be a massive change from your life in East London and all the fun that you seem to have, no? Yeah, that is true. I think that um, it, I'm not on my own uh, when I say that, it, you know, sometimes it just feels like you need to get away from London and strip back a little bit. And because of my work, I've been exposed to um, the barber culture. Um, and it's just it's kind of, I find it really inspiring in a funny way um, because it's just sort of stripped back to basics. And I think that that's good for the soul. Absolutely. And that's actually one of the things I really admire about you is that you do have such a love of Morocco. You, when you, I've known you to come here, you really come and you um, go and see suppliers and you've really done your research and you really engage with the people um, whom you're working with at Organic. And um, so what drew you to Morocco? Um, I think that actually it was argan oil that originally took me to Morocco, but it's interesting what you say. I think it's I, I think for me, um, I couldn't really live with myself if I didn't feel like I had integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, and what comes into that is if I'm going to sell a product that's, you know, comes from a certain country or a certain um, culture, I feel as though it's important not to just take from these people mm-hmm. and um, in and therefore think about not only what you can give back, but also be responsible enough to really understand the community so that um, you're respectfully representing them. You you need to remember that you're res- representing them and you need to, it's just the right thing to do. So it's, it's only natural. I wouldn't be able to sell my product if I didn't like the country or the people that it came from. Um, if I, uh, if I didn't, you know, that's why I made the effort to really integrate and understand and open my mind um, to everything, really. And so you're of Iraqi descent, but you were born and raised in London. Yeah. How were you received when you went, when you were doing your research and you were visiting the little villages and the providers of the argan oil that you eventually wanted to, to pick to sell? Um, well, I mean, I'm not going to lie, like being of... Um, Iraqi descent definitely helped. Um, I guess, you know, the way it is here is when they find out that I am from Iraqi descent, they're just like, oh, you, you've got the warm blood like us. 
you're, you're a sister. Um, and um, it definitely helps. And I think that, I mean, in a way, some people just, I think over here they do, they do appreciate and understand uh, the situation in Iraq and they feel bad. They feel sorrow. They understand like the challenges. And um, I think there's some, definitely some things that they'd resonate uh, mm-hmm. with um, in terms of Iraq. Um, but um, for me, um, I'm proud of my Iraqi descent. I would have been born in Iraq and raised there if it wasn't for the war because my parents loved their home. Um, and unfortunately, I can't really sell ingredients from there. Not only is it because it's quite complicated to travel there, but um, some of the ingre- best ingredients available there are possibly affected by radiation from mm-hmm. um, the kind of aftermath of the war. And so it's just not really sort of safe to sell. Mm-hmm. That's too bad. So let's go back to the beginning. You were working at Goldman Sachs and then you decided to just take the plunge and start your own business. What made you decide to take the leap? Um, yeah, I was in a really stable job at Goldman Sachs. I was getting paid a lot of money and um, I just decided to leave because I was afraid that if I stayed any longer, I'd get stuck there because we're all human at the end of the day. And I also I also realized that it wasn't an environment or an industry that I could be my best at. And I think that's a shame. I think I think that that for me, I don't I don't believe in forcing things. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'll leave this for someone else. I, I, I you know, I could never I'm never not interested enough to sort of go all the way with it. And so um, I just kind of had to leave. And so I just kind of, it was a great experience and it was good that I was able to survive that environment. Um, and it does help me as a young woman in a business get taken more seriously. So that's always helpful. Um, so it was great. I get, I get why people do work in that industry, but it just wasn't for me. I think that's maybe what, um, when we first met, I think via Twitter, you contacted me like, back in like 2012 maybe, is that like we both, I mean, I was in the similar, but only I was in Canadian government. And so you have like this stability and like pension and benefits and like all that stuff, but it just, it isn't enough to like make, it wasn't enough to make me want to stay anyway. One of the things that I just live by in life is like, it get. I don't want to be someone that just complains. I don't want to Mm -hmm. be a complainer. So it gets to the point where if you are just unhappy, you just have to do something about it. You, You sometimes can't overthink it. You just have to do something so that, yeah. And sometimes it's like exactly just quit your good job and hope for the best. Like, I mean, it's the same as doing a bungee jump. There's mm-hmm. a thrill involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I knew that it's sort of on the one hand, I knew it would be t- my, my parents would think it was ridiculous. I, I you know, I, I knew that it was sort of, you know, my mom was so proud that she could sort of tell her friends that I was working at Goldman's. Um, but I, it really, I, I just told myself, I, was, I thought, what's the worst case scenario? I will go to a remote part of Thailand set up a sandwich hut and it, it, I'll be able to survive. And I was like, you know what? I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. And so that, that, that just kind of kept me um, going, uh, thinking that that wasn't really that bad after all. And um, it, timing is something as well. I think if you're not going to do it now, then when? Well, then when? Absolutely. So then once you decided to leave, you started to, I remember you telling me that you did a lot of research into like what products you wanted to, to focus on and, and 
like make part of your brand organic. So what was the process for deciding that? Um, I had several different ideas before settling on um, argan oil, which, which is the beginning of organic. And I think that that's kind of important because I, I believe in fate. Um, and so I kind of, I kind of pursued several different ideas and then sort of waited to see what started to just kind of form and, and, and come together. Um, and I looked for signs. Um, so, um, I was really intrigued by argan oil after hearing about it from a family friend. Mm-hmm. Um, I have always really valued the high quality ingredients and when it comes to health, just natural, um, options, uh, keeping things as simple as possible. And so when I read about argan oil, I loved a lot of the things that I read, which included the social aspect, but also the benefits. And I just wanted to go and find out more. So I, I, I sort of said to myself, if I do go down this path, it's a really niche thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I need to supply the best argan oil in the world. That will be my mission. And I will not launch my business unless I feel like I could do that. So I spent two years researching argan oil, part in Morocco, part in the UK, um, and because I had to, because I, I had to supply the best in the world. Mm-hmm. And that's actually one of the things I really admire about you is that you're, um, you have a real emphasis on social responsibility and doing your research. You seem to have found like the best supplier. Um, so what are some of the values that you practice at Organic? Yeah, I mean, we don't really talk about a lot of the, the, the giving back we do enough. Mm-hmm. And I think that's... A, for a couple of reasons, um, that's not why we do it. We don't give back so we can talk about it. But also, um, we're living in an age now where people just are throwing buzzwords everywhere. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of products of style over substance and just like marketing terms over mm-hmm. really anything more. And, and so you see that a lot with, there's a lot of people selling things that they say are coming from cooperatives, but they haven't done their research and they're really not cooperatives. Mm-hmm. They're sort of, companies that are maybe like saying that that they are a cooperative but really Mm -hmm. it's just you know they could that there there are there are actually several companies that say that they're female-led cooperatives but there's just um some businessmen behind it that you're incredibly passionate about the culture um you keep coming back what are some of the things that you just love about that you love when you land in Marrakesh? Um, so yeah, as I said, um, it's really important for me to engage and I'm so passionate about what I do. I'm a passionate person and to just really embrace everything about my work and where it takes me. So what kind of keeps me coming back to Morocco, even when I'm not working, is just, I guess, the warmth of the people that you get that's really humbling and heartwarming. Sometimes it's the little gestures like, you know, when you're saying goodbye, they'll put their hand on their heart to say that I'm taking you in my heart. The generosity, the feeding everyone, you know, that attitude of everyone needs to eat. So, you know, everyone shares their food, opens their houses to you. I mean, I've been so overwhelmed and humbled by like, I visited some really poor families that would bring out so much food just because I'm coming over. I mean, we're talking like, you know, two roast chickens, a pastilla, tons of salads, all the nuts, all the dates, all the tea, all the juice, all the fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, just keep, just, you know, making sure that you're happy and comfortable. Um, 
it's just incredible how much people here can, they really appreciate you showing interest in their culture. I think that, you know, it's also important to recognize that a lot of the people that at least I meet and interact with here just don't have the opportunity to travel. As I touched on before, giving back is just important when you're working with a community that are working hard to make product. Um, and also maybe um, the, the markets where the, the markets where uh, the main major markets where Argonaut sold, I suppose maybe the customer um, the customer base don't really know that much about Morocco or these communities. And as I said, it just feels like the right thing to sort of take that as a responsibility to represent the people fairly, which means treating them fairly and understanding mm -hmm. them. But also, um, I just believe in karma. I think when you start and run your own business inevitably it's going to be really hard and it is hard. It's really challenging every day. It's a huge responsibility. And so you have to have some perks and some um, compromise for the sacrifices you make. And part of that is just having a more enjoyable life. So knowing that we do good, um, that kind of that, that energy uh, of giving, the energy that comes out of giving back runs through the whole business and our end customers just end up being so lovely. So um, we're just having conversations and interactions all the time with the most wonderful customers that have a, there's a reason why they choose organic over um, another brand. Um, and what is that reason in your opinion? They just get a really good um, first impression and feeling about organic. Mm -hmm. um, they just, they just, they call up and they say, I don't know why, but you know, I've, I've been looking for Argonaut for years and your company's the first one that, that I've seen that, that seems really trustworthy. And, um, I guess, you know, it, it's from everything. Like, I really, really care about my staff so much. They're like family to me. Um, and I would not forgive myself if I didn't feel like, um, they were happy. I mean, um, I try my best. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, we do focus on all these little details. Mm -hmm. uh, even when it comes to selling on sales pitches, we, if someone, we're not going to force someone, we're not going to even try to sort of push someone into selling mm -hmm. our product, mm -hmm. which we just don't want that energy. We don't want that aggro. So I think that all these little things and details come together and just, you can't explain it, but it just gives off the right, the right energy. And I mean, the part of the reason why I started Organic was not just so that, you know, I could be a, an entrepreneur or businesswoman and make lots of money. It was because I really felt like I wanted a voice, whether it's because of, you know, me wanting to give back because of what I've seen in Iraq and feeling maybe guilty as a child that I wasn't born there and that I was, you know, I felt really lucky having the opportunities in the UK. I've always felt like I've wanted to give back and you know, when you, if you run a successful business, you have a platform to make, to, to speak. You have a voice that gets listened to. Like, you know, you're giving me a chance to speak now. Um, but also, you know, you can use your power and any profit that you make to do good. Um, and that's, that's the reason why I started it. And, but I mean, even though you're not talking about it, clearly it comes across in the branding that you're doing. I know you do a lot of pop-ups at um, different stores and markets and whatnot. And it is even led like the evening standard to call you, to name you one of their top three ethical entrepreneurs. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, I guess that I was really proud of that um, article. It was really, really, really humbling. 
If all this chat about travel and exploring Morocco has left you inspired to visit, but you're not sure where to start with planning your holiday, I cannot recommend the services of my friend Chris Martinez from Sun Trails enough. His in-depth knowledge of Morocco is mind-blowing. His passion for this kingdom is inspiring. And the trip he planned for my sister and I back in 2016 left me amazed at what's out there to explore in Morocco. Get in touch via my podcast and I'll happily connect you so you too can experience an off the beaten track trip. The thing about the argan oil industry, and I'm sure this is why you needed to do so much um, research before launching your product, is the price of argan oil just varies so wildly. What causes the fluctuation in prices? Um, well, I guess... It's, it's not supposed to fluctuate that much. Um, it is a kind of a commodity and the, 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 the price of the fruit does fluctuate a little bit. But in reality, the amount of argan oil that gets impo- uh, exported out of Morocco per year is multiples more than what could be physically produced if you took all the trees uh, and all the fruit. Um, so needless to say, that there's just, there's just a lot of dilution that takes place and more so in recent years, and that's why you get such such different prices. Um, and exactly. it's, it's really, really getting to the point where it's it's actually horribly uh, uh, negatively affecting the people that are doing things in the right way. Because in like the UK, for example, now they, they have such an unrealistic view of what the price of argan oil should be, and it's shocking. People are expecting it for prices um, that per litre lower than what I found directly from farms. Um, back in, I think, 2010 when I first started my research. Um, and I mean, these days when, you, when you're sort of out and about in Morocco and you, you meet someone that says, oh, he, he, you know, so-and-so is an argonal expert, you should chat to him, that, that person will sort of, I remember I had a conversation with someone in that same way and, he, you know, he was supposed to be the, the argonal expert. Like Sidi Yassine, who, who we work with, um, I feel as though, it, it's just it's just getting harder and harder for them to sort of keep doing what they do um, the way they do it. Because they're producing, if I understand correctly, 100% argan oil. Is that correct? Yeah, they, I mean, theirs is 100% pure. Um, so they're our partner farm. We work closely with them. I mean, that, that we go through so many different... Um, Detail, levels of detail to maintain quality from testing the trees for, for their health to make sure that they haven't been affected by pollution. Mm-hmm. Um, all Every part of production is controlled in-house. Mm-hmm. So as soon as the seeds are extracted from the fruit, they're pressed so that they don't get exposed to oxidation. Um, our color, the culinary organoles are very light in color. It's not a sort of orangey brown because we don't burn the seeds. We lightly toast it for the flavor, but 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 we d- we don't burn it, so we retain the health benefits. Um, they are, ne- like, I mean, they wouldn't they wouldn't do they they're not doing what they do for money. They're not doing what they do to be the biggest. So I guess what I should have said, like, rather than saying that there's like a fluctuation in the market, there's a price differentiation in the market. Are there any environmental factors that might risk the production? Um, I mean, it is a natural product, and um. I suppose there could be some environment in terms of environmental, you can, you do, you can get bad harvest, but mm-hmm. the thing is with the way that argan oil is produced is that, so harvest is once a year, but the dry fruits, the fruit once collected and dried can be stored for up to three years without affecting the quality of the oil whatsoever. It's just when you take the seed out of the fruit that it gets exposed to oxidation. So 
you can kind of make up for a bad harvest mm-hmm. um, if, if, if there's a bad year, with, or at least you get enough notice to sort of try and work around it. Um, I, I'm not trying to say that there's no risks in what mm-hmm. we're doing. There is. And actually, like recently, some of the certification bodies have really, really, really sort of, they've become more strict, which you would hope would be a good thing. But actually, they sort of expect, have expectations of these small farms um, and the communities that they work with that are just completely unrealistic because because they don't really understand that it's difficult to prove what the cost of living is in some of these small villages or you can't really get a lot of the people that we work with and provide jobs to are illiterate so they can't sign documents saying how much they earn and a lot of the times these systems and certification bodies don't really understand what it's like out um, in the fields fields. yeah Hmm. so for listeners what do you think are the benefits of like I use the organ, organic argan oil on my face like yes. every day. Um, but are there, what other uses can you, like besides just like a facial, do you use it on your hair? Yes. I mean, actually in the UK, people know it more for the hair. So you just put a few drops in your hands and um, then rub it in, r- rub it into your hair and leave it for at least a couple of hours before washing out. And it's really good for strengthening the hair, for the shine. It does over time, certainly promote hair growth. But I mean, really like my, well, some of my favorite ways to use it is I want to go back to the face because it blows my mind how you put it on at night and the next morning, mm-hmm. how good your skin looks. It's it's so incredible. And again, this is why I get sad when, when there's so much argan oil being sold that's not pure because then people don't really get to know about how good it is. But really what kind of warms my heart are the emails that we get from people that suffer with like psoriasis or, or conditions similar to eczema that have tried things for years and this has really, really worked. And um, we've had some really, really good success stories of people with acne where it's balanced the oils in their skin and, and actually stopped, uh, actually just cured the acne in some cases. And how is that possible? Like what are the properties? Okay, so um, a lot of the time when people have acne they combat it by putting really harsh products on Mm -hmm. which makes the skin produce more oil um and then it clogs the pores whereas when you put the argan oil it's not it's not an oily oil anyway it doesn't it doesn't it's not very greasy um so you put it on and and then it just really adapts to your skin quite well Mm -hmm. and prevents your it, it sort of makes your skin naturally produce less oil and it kind of catches up and finds its own balance. It also can help a little bit with the scarring. But if you're if you're a bit worried uh, or skeptical about trying or uh, argan oil on your face, then I would just start with using it twice a week at night. I mean, I used to have um, just sort of like a mask. I used to have um, combination skin, and so I use the argan oil about three times a week at night. And I'm so 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 amazed at what it's done. My skin's so low maintenance. People think I'm so much younger than I am, and it's, it's definitely down to the oil. But you have amazing skin, so Thank wow. You. But also, let's talk about your hair because you have <laughs> amazing hair. So let's how talk often? About the hair. <laughs> how often are you using the argan oil? Well, see, people don't listen to me enough. They tell me I have nice hair, but that, that, this is serious stuff. So eating the argan oil or just really good olive oil regularly, mm-hmm. every single day, getting at least two tablespoons, mm-hmm. it will have a really big impact on your hair in the long run. Um, so I, so I really believe that 
and it will have a good effect on your skin. So eat, eating good cold press oils will give you shinier hair, stronger hair. But I also do use it, um, the argan oil, uh, the cosmetic argan oil as a treatment in my hair at least once a week. Um, and I mean, it's a tricky one, but like I decided a few years ago to stop dyeing my hair. I understand that that's not necessarily a fun option for many people, but I think if you do dye your hair, it's even more reason to put some love back in and, and the argan oil is great for that. Um, and I also recommend trying to wean off washing hair as much if you can, just like a little bit, wash, wash your hair a little bit less each week um, so that it gets chance to recoup and produce its natural oils. You just said that you can use argan oil for your hair, for your skin, for your face, um, for scarring, for different um, medical conditions. But there's loads of beauty products lining the shelves. Some are more expensive, some aren't. How do you pick which one to choose? That's a really interesting question. Um, I kind of take a similar approach to beauty products as I do to food. You need to think about what is worth spending on and what you can kind of cut your costs on to balance it all out. So start with being thoughtful any, anyway, because um, that it's incredible how, how, how high the margins are on so many beauty products. And a lot of the time you're not getting any value back for what you pay. And so you need to sort of find the, the quality products from just like things that are really nicely marketed. Coming back to um, picking and choosing what to spend on, anything that has an oil base, whether it's sort of like in food, what you'll eat, uh, fats that you eat in beauty, like a moisturizer or an oil, that's what you want to, you don't want to compromise on. Because bad um, oils or bad skin moisturizers will clog your pores. So I always tell people to invest in a good moisturizer um, or a good face oil. But when it comes to the other things like a toner, just you could use rose water that costs next to nothing. Um, I've actually recently made a solution from just, you know, I brewed some really nice quality green tea that I just went cold and I didn't get to drink it. So I mixed that with a, a dash of apple cider vinegar, made an amazing toner out of it, probably cost me 25 pence. Um, I think when you're washing your face, a good natural soap bar is fine. You don't need a fancy face wash. So really, really save that money for the moisturizer or the oil and, um, you, it, you know, do your research because I honestly believe that if you get your moisturizer or face serum or oil, face oil wrong, you will break out. And if you get it right, it will have the opposite effect. I mean, you are a true spokesperson because your skin is amazing. Thank so. you. So back in January, um, when you came out to stay, we had a dinner party with a few friends and you made the most amazing beetroot hummus with argan oil. Where can we find that recipe? Yes. So um, thank you. I'm glad you liked it. It was a really um, nutritious beetroot and walnut dip, actually. Um, And we have the recipe on our website, uh, which is uh, organic.co.uk. And yeah, it's it's actually such an amazing pinky purple color. um, Mm -hmm. And it's really popular. Touched on both culinary and cosmetic argan oils and as part of your organic brand you do offer both products is that right yes um a lot of people sell only the cosmetic argan oil because it's an obvious one there's higher margins in in the cosmetic industry it's sort of easier to dilute it but we sell both because i mean culinary argan oil is 
was was you know one of the main fats of the Berber people's diet uh, at some point, and it's just such a nutritious and delicious ingredient when produced in the right way. Um, and for for me, food is so many things. It, food in itself is is a beauty product. Uh, if you eat well, it just shows on your skin and your hair. Um, and actually, if anything, the cosmetic side of the business is just to fund the food side because it's really hard to survive um, as a food business uh, without cutting corners because people don't want to pay a fair price for their food. Uh, so that's kind of the dynamic and how it works. Um, so what's the product, uh, the difference in production for the cosmetic versus the culinary oil? For the culinary oil, at the final stage of the uh, of production, the seeds that are extracted from the fruit are light, are toasted to bring out the nutty flavour. Um, and for the cosmetic oil, they're not toasted at all, so they're raw, and so it doesn't smell or taste nutty, and it's lighter in colour. So that those are the only two differences. Just to wrap up, um, if listeners are coming to Morocco and they want to purchase some argan oil, which I find a lot of people on my food tours at least want to do or the people that I meet, um, what tips do you have for buying argan oil when you're here in Morocco? I wouldn't buy any from a plastic container because argan oil is so reactive because it works so well that it does really react with plastic and someone that knows uh, enough about argan oil would never keep it in plastic. I would try it on the skin and if uh, rub it in and if it leaves a greasy residue then it's unlikely to be pure. It also shouldn't smell... If it does, it's because it's not been produced hygienically um, and you could get a reaction because of that. Um, so I, I have actually once tried one that was supposed to be just fresh from, it was just freshly made and it gave me bumps on my skin and I used my own argan oil to cure it. That. So, um, so, so you want to make sure it's not too greasy. Um, if it's supposed to be cosmetic argan oil, it should be light in color, like a pale yellow. It should not be brown or orange. And, um, yeah, if it's a culinary argan oil, um, it will be a little bit darker in color. But, again, it's just sort of similar things. You don't want to buy it in a plastic container. You just have to try it, and it should taste amazing. And if it doesn't, then there's something not right. Mm -hmm. Or you could just make it easier for yourself and just buy some from CDSine. <laughs> Or can we not, what about for people who are going back to the UK or where well, could they buy it? We actually have a, such an international uh, customer base and our website uh, ships internationally. Um, so you can get it through our website and um, we'll look after you very well. So you're in Marrakesh now for a couple more days and then you're heading off to Essaouira to see your supplier, City Yassine. So thank you so much for stopping by today and taking the time to, to chat with me about argan oil and being an entrepreneur and you know, taking the leap of faith and hoping that it all works out because clearly for you, it really has. Thank you so much, Mandy. Um, it's been great spending time with you as usual. If you're a fan of getting off the tourist trail and planning to be in Marrakesh, join us for one of our Tasting Marrakesh food and cultural tours. On our Tasting Marrakesh Gilles tour, we explore some of the 20th century architecture in Marrakesh, stop at some of our favorite art galleries housed in Art Deco gems, wander through parks and religious buildings that surprise visitors who dare to venture beyond the Marrakesh Medina. And with some of our favorite buildings disappearing before our eyes, now is the time to experience the new city. We chat history, eat street food, and shop. You know, some of our favorite things. But don't just take it from me. Condé Nast Traveler recently included this tour on its roundup of 10 cool things to do in Marrakesh. 
Our website is tasting-marrakesh.com for more details. That's Marrakesh with a C-H. And all of our tours in private are private and bespoke, so we take you only to the places that interest you. But for now, it's time to say see you in 2019, when I'll be back for another series of interviews with the creative and inspiring personalities I meet while living in Marrakesh. In the meantime, if you want to discuss a collaboration or idea, please feel free to get in touch via my website, mandyandmorocco.com. Or if you would be so kind to rate and review this podcast on your favorite channel, I would be so appreciative. Until then, happy holidays and all the best for 2019.